You're listening to The Pipeline Show. That's right. Now, say my name. With Gee Flaming. You're goddamn right. Let's continue on with the uh, WHL segment. It's uh, in the dub segment brought to you by dubnetwork.ca. You can stay up to date on everything happening around the Western Hockey League by checking out dubnetwork.ca. Uh, make it a stop every day and you, uh, you'll know what's going on in the, around the Western Hockey League too. Just like my next guest uh, knows what's happening around, uh, especially the BC division. Larry Fisher uh, joining me once again uh, from uh, the Hockey Writers. Where, what else are you doing these days, uh, Larry? I'm scouting for FC Hockey, so I'm uh, one of their Western Conference scouts in the Western Hockey League, which has been a, a good new experience for me. I mean, I've been a scout at heart uh, all yeah. along uh, yeah. from high school on, and, and I've managed to, to get into something a little more formal this year and seeing how they do things from that end. And it's obviously a different way of watching the game from, from a media perspective, but uh, I'm enjoying the scouting side of things too. Awesome. Well, that's good because I know that you've, as you said, uh, scouted heart for a long time. I've always followed your stuff. Uh, leading up to the draft, and uh, it's always been interesting for me to read as well. Uh, let's get to the uh, to the hockey stuff, uh, especially uh, we're going to focus on the BC division in the uh, Western Hockey League, and uh, I guess maybe we'll start with the team that's in your backyard. You're still in the uh, Kelowna area, aren't you? I am, yep, still uh, based here in West Kelowna, yep. All right, well, let's start with the Rockets then, hosting the Memorial Cup this year, currently tied for top spot in the BC division with the Kamloops Blazers. Uh, the Vancouver Giants not all that far behind, but... What you've seen from the Rockets this year, uh, what sort of impression have you got from the team? You know, obviously being the Memorial Cup host, uh, expectations are high. And I think for the most part, they're uh, in an evaluation process or evaluation period right now. Just, you know, Bruce Hamilton said prior to the season he wanted to see what he had and he would take his time before making any any trades to, to upgrade the roster for the Memorial Cup, although he had already obviously made a few trades in the off season to bring in guys like Dylan Hamilook and, and, uh, obviously you got Sean Comrie in a separate deal, Jake Lee in that same deal with Hamilook. So he tweaked the roster and, and upgraded it in the off season, but he hasn't made many moves or only the one to get Carson Sass as an overager, uh, right out of the start of the season. But basically I think it's a, it's an evaluation time for the Rockets and then they're just trying to see what they have, uh, but now that the calendar's flipping to November, I think this is where you're going to see Bruce Hamilton start to, to work the phone lines a little more and, and look for some pieces of the puzzle between now and the January 10th trade deadline to really uh, turn this team into a true contender. But when you look at the standings, like you said, tied with Kamloops for first place in the BC division, uh, they can't complain with where they're at so far, and there's still room for improvement. Pavel Novak, uh, interesting player to watch this year. Uh, he's from the Czech Republic, but he's a rookie this year in the Western Hockey League, draft eligible as well. So I imagine you're getting your eyes uh, uh, on him as much as possible. Uh, tell me about him as a player. He's second in uh, team scoring right now. Yeah, I've filed a, at least a handful of reports on Novak already, and he's a, he's an impressive player who didn't take long to transition to the North American game because he plays a, a North American style. He's a, he's a real gritty kid. He's not afraid to get physical, uh, finish his checks, but at the same time, he's got a, a real high-end offensive skill set as well. So he's been a catalyst for the Rockets. They don't have a, a lot of guys that uh, up front in their forward group that, that necessarily, you know, drive the offense. And he is one guy that is, you know, he's dangerous on the power play. He's got a really good shot, but he also sees the ice really well. And he's uh, developing some chemistry with Nolan Foote, which is important to, uh, they're not playing together right now at even strength, but they have a, in the past and they've had some success together in that uh, regard as well as on the power play. So he's a, he's an impressive player for sure that uh, 
like you said, a, a draft eligible guy that is a rookie in the league. And for him to be putting up the numbers that he is on a team that to some extent still struggles to score is, is very impressive. So, uh, I think uh, everybody is thrilled with what they've seen from Pavel Novak so far and, and how much more does he have to his game as he continues to settle in. But uh, the early returns are better than anyone could have envisioned, even though he was a standout at the Holinka Gretzky Cup in the summer. And, mm-hmm. and they knew they were getting a, a, a good offensive player, but he's uh, exceeded expectations with his stat line. You mentioned the, the Rockets haven't been exactly filling the net uh, with an abundance so far this year. I'm, I'm actually surprised uh, at some of the the uh, the players uh, that I expected more offense from uh, Dylan Hamlock you mentioned a second ago he's got ten points in fourteen games I actually think he's underachieved uh, thus far I, I expected more from him and maybe that's still to come I haven't watched the Rockets play so just because he's got ten points uh, and I, maybe I was expecting sixteen or seventeen at this point doesn't necessarily mean he's he's playing poorly I'll let you tell me about that but also Trevor Wong who had monster numbers as a Bantam player uh, and it was uh, pretty highly touted and. Uh, made lots of news uh, by detouring from Denver to come to Kelowna. He's only got two points so far this year, uh, both of them goals. But are you at all surprised at the lack of offense from a couple of guys, uh, those two in particular? Well, we can start with Hamillick. And then being that he is an older player in the league, he's a, a late birthday. So even though he was just drafted, he's already 19 and or turning 19. And he's, uh, uh, I guess, turned 19 yesterday on October 30th. But he's a uh, a player that, like I said, he's got 10 points, but when you look at his game by game, he got four points in the season opener. Mm-hmm. So that only leaves six other points. He had a three point game as well and a two point game. So he's only actually got points in four of, of the 14 games so far. So Dylan Hamlick, uh, they would like to see him get going and be more of a consistent force. And again, he's, he's kind of a man among boys out there. He's a big body kid that should be able to produce at a, a, more consistently at this level. So I yeah. think. I don't want to say disappointment in Dylan Hamlet because we have to remember he missed the entire second half of his draft year, uh, didn't play a single game in 2019 until he got to Kelowna for this season uh, because he had, had torn up his knee uh, just before Christmas or just before New Year's last year. So he had a, a, a recovery from that, and maybe he's still getting up to speed in some sense. And even the, the four-point season opener as he said you know a lot of those bounces they weren't highlight real goal put it that way they were kind of bouncing in off him and and stuff like that but he was a, a big body presence in front of the net that night and then again I think he's gone uh one two three four five seven eight games without a point right now so yeah. I mean obviously they want to get him going again as soon as possible and then when you mentioned Trevor Wong uh you know I think he's been playing down the depth chart he hasn't had a ton of power play time if any He's playing sort of on a, on a kid line, a fourth line with uh, another fellow rookie uh, in Jake Poole. And it's kind of been Kyle Crosby or somebody else filling in in the middle there. So he hasn't had a, a big push offensively the way obviously Dylan Hamlick's a, a feature player. And the thing with Trevor Wong is you watch him and he's an exciting player. He's got great speed. Um, he's involved. He, he has had uh, probably more scoring chances than Dylan Hamlick. It's just he hasn't quite finished off some of his odd man rush chances from generated from his speed. But I think Trevor Wong has a, a bright future in the league. But you're right. I think uh, they'd like to see him kind of increase his role offensively as this season continues, especially being a 16-year-old on a Memorial Cup roster. If he's going to stay in the lineup past January 10th, assuming they make some upgrades, he's going to need to start factoring into the scoring on a, on a more regular basis as well. Well, some of those uh, 2018 uh, Bantam draft uh, guys, uh, certainly a lot is expected from that draft class. Cole Cylinder's 
leading the league in scoring right now uh, among rookies with 17 points. But there are a lot of guys from that draft class who maybe in similar situations as what you described with Wong in that they're playing a little bit further down the depth chart. And I know expectations at the start of the year were pretty high for Logan Stankov in, in uh, Kamloops. We'll shift to, to the Blazers now. But, you know, his preseason was uh, was fantastic for the Blazers. And uh, he's got six points at this uh, stage of the regular season. Uh, from when you've uh, seen the Blazers and, and what's your impression of uh, the way Stankoven is uh, carried over into the regular season? Yeah, I think uh, the bar was set so high for him to be this dominant rookie and, and run away with the rookie scoring race just because he led the entire preseason in scoring. And I think uh, probably frustrating a bit for Logan Stankoven to to be stuck where he is with four goals and six points through 14 games. But uh, you watch him, and, and he's still contributing in a lot of ways. And, and obviously, Kamloops is having success as a team, but he's part of that, even though he's maybe not showing up on the score sheet. He's a, a mature player, uh for his age and and you know as a 16 year old I think he is one of those kids who's definitely going to come on strong as the the year progresses and he's probably underachieving right now he's he's getting his you know decent amount of chances he's got 40 shots through 14 games so that's you know a good total and uh, I think uh, as the season goes he's really going to pick it up and that's going to almost be a a trade deadline addition if you want to say for Kamloops just because I think as he hits his stride and and much like Connor Zary did last season, you know, in the second half, Connor Zary really took off for Kamloops. And if Logan Stankoven can do that this season, that's uh, another big uh, addition of sorts for Kamloops. But I think uh, he's a confident kid. He's a mature kid. And I think it's going to click for him sooner than later because you watch him and you see him making the right plays all over the ice. And then the fact that the offense just hasn't come yet, it, it's only a matter of time for Logan Stankoven. Larry Fisher uh, from the Hockey Writers and the SC Hockey, my guest here on the Pipeline Show, uh, looking at the uh, WHL's BC division. Uh, continuing with uh, Kamloops, you mentioned Connor Zary leading the league in scoring. Obviously, that means he's leading the Blazers in scoring as well. Uh, and uh, another draft-eligible player. So what have you seen from him this season? You know, I compare Connor Zary to a, a Bo Horvat-type guy. Uh, he's kind of the uh, everybody likes to say 200 foot player nowadays. That's kind of a, a catch word, a buzzword, 200 foot player. And, and Connor Zary is absolutely that. He's a, a guy who plays in all situations for the Blazers. He's obviously on centers their first line. He's on their top power play unit. He's also out there for uh, a lot of penalty kills. So he's kind of a, a guy that can do it all, a jack of all trades offensively. Uh, I'm a bit surprised by the numbers he's putting up, although 21 points in 14 games, he's only five goals. So, I mean, it's not a, a huge stat line. And, and realistically, nobody is, is lighting the WHL on fire. So most years after 14 games, 21 points probably isn't leading the Western Hockey League. But uh, this year, there hasn't been a, a huge scorer across the league. So uh, as a result, he's ranking right up there. But I, I do think uh, he's obviously improving his draft stock by, by being at the top of the Western Hockey League scoring race. And I think he's become a, a consensus first-round pick if he wasn't already uh, – heading into the season being that he he was a standout as an underager at the world under 18s in April he made a that was sort of his coming out party for the rest of the hockey world who hadn't seen Connor Zary those following the WHL in the second half last season he kind of helped take Kamloops on his back and and push the Blazers in, in through the tiebreaker game and into the playoffs so I think uh, he's just building on what he what he accomplished to end last season and he's had a uh, a real strong start to his draft year. The uh, duo from Marwayne, Zane Franklin and Oren Santanzo, both from Marwayne, Alberta, small town. Uh, those two are having uh, big contributions this year for Kamloops. The trade with Saskatoon to get Ryan Hughes, 
Boy, that one surprised me from a Saskatoon perspective. I, I like that deal for the Blazers a lot, and it looks like it's paid off here in the early going. Yeah, I mean, Ryan Hughes, uh, in his debut, scored the overtime winner against Kelowna when he got the Kamloops, and he's kind of, you know, you look at the coach there, Sean Clouston, and then where he comes from, Medicine Hat, they've always had small, skilled, fast forwards in, in Medicine Hat, and so Ryan Hughes fits the Sean Clouston system uh, to a T, and, and it, it's worked out. He's got you know, a 12 points in 11 games so far in Kamloops, and he's been an impact player uh, on the power play at even strength in, in all situations for the Blazers. And, and both their additions, their overage additions, uh, Ryan Hughes up front and Max Martin uh, on defense. He's got seven points in eight games, including three goals as a defenseman for Kamloops. So both those uh, upgrades to their overagers are, are the reason that Kamloops is uh, right at top, right at the top of the BC division. Uh, both Hughes and Martin have made significant impact since coming over from the, the East division to, to the BC division. And, you, and like you said, you got a veteran group now with Franklin and Santazo and, and, and Hughes and Martin. It's a good leadership group in Kamloops who, you know, looking at Zary and Stankov and people said, Oh, that's a younger team. They're, they're developing. They're still building while well, you add in Hughes and Martin. And you've already got guys like Franklin and Santazo and, and even a guy like Montagna on There's some real leadership there in Kamloops and, and, those guys are pushing that team to to be a contender this season. You, then let's go to the Vancouver Giants. I'm a little bit surprised to see them where they are in the standings. I, uh, this is the team I, in a preseason pick for me, they were the the top team I had in the division. Although the three teams that we're talking about so far, I had them all pretty much neck and neck. But uh, they've they've struggled here as of late. What's gone wrong uh, over the last couple of weeks for the Giants? I think, like you said, everybody sort of thought. They would be the front runner in that three horse race with Kamloops and Kelowna. Uh, so I kind of said, you know, Vancouver is the team that's experiencing the hangover from going to the, the Western Conference Championship game seven of the final round last season, uh, returning such a strong core, especially on defense and, and in goal, uh, both goaltenders back, primarily the, the full defense group. Everybody sort of thought, okay, if nothing else, they're going to win two one games and, and run away with the BC division, or, or you know have a gap on top at this point. Uh, especially, you would expect that experience would help them start strong. But they've had a, a sluggish; they've been sluggish out of the gate. And I think the the big thing when you look at that lineup is they're lacking some offense up front. Uh, they don't have a lot of older strong forwards. Uh, they got their import obviously Milos Roman, and they got Tristan Nielsen, who's having a a nice you know point per game season for them, but. Beyond that, their their offense from the forwards is is a bit of a concern. And even last season, you know, Bowen Byram pushed so much or contributed so much offense from the from the blue line, and and they've kind of got a lot of contributions from their defensemen offensively. But this season, especially the the forwards, uh, the older forwards, we'll say, haven't uh, picked up where the the guys that left uh, they haven't taken that ball and ran with it. And I think one thing you look at with Vancouver, especially the forwards, is they got three young draft eligible guys, um, Justin Sordiff, Lucas Svechkovsky, and then the kid that's just getting going, Cole Shepard, who's up to three points in four games. I think those three guys uh, are going to improve as the season goes along. And then that's where the kind of that second wave of offense will come for Vancouver. But I definitely think uh, Matt Bard, or sorry, not Matt Bardsley, Barkley Parneda is uh working the phone lines as well, trying to get another top six older forward, if not two of them, uh, to help push Vancouver back to being the, the team to beat in BC. 
And one of the other things that stands out to me with the Giants is in net, where they're, you know, last year they ran David Tendek and Trent Minor pretty much back and forth and didn't seem to matter which guy was in net. They were having success, but Minor seems statistically at least, looks like he's really struggling this year. Tendek's numbers are still great, but uh, Minor doesn't seem to be having that same sort of success. Yeah, he's one of those returnees that hasn't picked up where he left off last season. And obviously last year, Trent Minor, uh, he was a first round pick coming into the, the WHL. So he had some, some hype, some pedigree behind him, but he really pushed David Tendick last season, like you said, into a platoon rotation. Uh, Tendick maybe took over as the, the playoffs progressed, but Trent Minor was right there. And, and it was kind of a decision of what are they going to do with their goaltending this season? You don't need two starters and, and they're both NHL drafted guys. And like you said, obviously Tendick separated himself at this point in the season. And, and Minor's been one of the returnees that hasn't, uh, taken a step or, or hasn't you know like I said picked up where they left off last season and that's part of the reason for the the mixed results for Vancouver when you look at their record uh they're below 500 now at seven eight and one so they've lost nine of 16 games so far which is a big surprise considering that strong defense core and then like you said what should have been probably the the hands down the best tandem goaltending tandem in the Western Hockey League so that uh is maybe a little concerning but again these are things that you look at on paper and, and they should improve as the season goes. And then Vancouver, obviously with so much playoff experience from last season, uh, when you get to the playoffs, you, you have to think the giants are still the team to beat, especially if they can get one or two more older forwards to really uh, contribute offensively. That leaves Victoria and Prince George uh, currently the top uh, or the two bottom teams in the division. I don't think that's really a surprise uh, for anybody. And uh, if the playoffs started tomorrow, they they, well, I guess Victoria technically uh, might get in, uh, on as the second wild card, but um, they were my two picks to miss the playoffs in the Western Conference, so I'm not shocked to see where they are. But Victoria's sticking around. They're, they're they've been a tough out for some teams. I know they've given Kelowna some problems here over the last week. Yeah, Kelowna finally uh, got to see the Victoria for the first time this season this week, and uh, they lost in a shootout the first night and and won one nothing the next night, but were outshot 33-17. So uh, I think Victoria is a team that you look on paper and. They got guys that are underachieving as well. An overager like Gary Hayden only has two goals in in, in eleven games. Uh, their newly named captain Philip Schultz, who is a guy that I quite like, only has one goal in eight games. And so I think there's some upside there with Victoria. I think uh, offensively they could produce more, and I think they they will as the season goes on. So they could potentially push for the playoffs. And, and Prince George was a team that I thought, you know, I thought goaltending in Prince George would, again, win them some 2-1 games because I knew they had, you know, some strong defensemen, uh, a good top four on defense coming back and and two good goaltenders. Obviously, Taylor Gauthier wasn't drafted in 2019, but he's a, a, a guy that's been around the Western League for a while and everybody sort of sees him as a, a true number one goalie. And then Tyler Brennan, a, a, another first round pick that's coming in that has a a lot of hype and then has put on put out some good performances as well. So I thought Prince George is a team that would maybe be doing a little better by winning low scoring games. And uh, that hasn't been the case. And, and through no fault of Taylor Goche, who's getting shelled on a lot of nights, I'm surprised by the amount of shots they're giving up with the uh, Mark Lamb, Jason Smith uh, defensive system. But uh, nevertheless, I think uh, Prince George, Victoria, like I said, you're kind of from the outset this season, they were the also ran. They weren't going to challenge uh the top three in BC, and then so far it's playing out much like we expected. And then Prince George obviously looks like a seller, and it'll be interesting to see what Victoria does uh, with some of their older players as the season progresses. Yeah, Victoria, the lowest scoring team in the entire league at the moment with just uh, 28 goals. Uh, even Swift Current has scored 
one more than that. And then Prince George has only scored 30. So there's the reasons they can't win. And uh, you mentioned a trade deadline. To me, Taylor Goche seems looks like trade bait to me. I mean, Tyler Brennan is off to such a good start. Uh, when he's in net, uh, I could see a team that uh, might need an upgrade in goal thinking Goche on a different club might provide the goaltending that uh, that would take them deep in the playoffs. I'm, I'm looking at Calgary myself. Yeah, I, I, I called Calgary on that too. He's from Calgary. They they released Carl Stankowski, who ended up out here in Penticton in the BCHL. So for me, all signs point to Taylor Goche ending up with the Calgary Hitman, and, and that would be a, a big addition for them. Uh, I think a change of scenery would, would help Taylor Goche. He's had a uh, a hard start to his WHL career on a you know perennial rebuilding team, struggling team in Prince George. I think uh, if he got to backstop a, a contender, I think that would really rejuvenate him and, and energize him. And I wouldn't be surprised if he works his way into a position where he could be drafted as an overager in 2020. So I, I still like Taylor Gochia. And like I said, I think he's definitely uh, right up there on the WHL trade board right now for a, a name that could move sooner than later. Sounds like an article for uh, the hockey writers. You can create your own trade board. <laughs> I should. It's it's getting to that time of the year where there's going to be uh, some big names potentially moving. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll watch for that. Larry, as always, appreciate your time. Uh, thanks for doing this. We'll call you again. Yep. Thanks for having me on, Guy. Larry Fisher from the hockey writers and uh, future considerations doing some scouting work for them now. Uh, always appreciate that when Larry's on the show. And in case you're uh, one of the people who just only listened to this specific segment of the show, then you missed the the, uh, the big uh, news uh, items that I dropped in the opening segment today that I did not address with uh, Larry. So you might want to go back and listen to the first segment. Those were about the uh, upcoming Bantam tournament that will be held in Seattle uh, to uh, further showcase the American players that are eligible for the uh, WHL. And uh, the, as of yet, unannounced uh, two-round American draft uh, specific to the Western Hockey League. Uh, both of those talked about in, at length in the first segment of today's episode. You can also find uh, more details on that at uh, dubnetwork.ca. Let's go from the In the Dub segment to the NCAA Campus Report. And uh, Chris Peters writes for ESPN. He's my guest next here on the Pipeline Show. <laughs> Tia Samuelson left point. Gruden around on the right side. 1-0 U18. Stasny walks the line. Took the shot right on goal. They score! Farabee put in the rebound. And Farabee gives his grandmother a birthday present. It's 2-0. Hey, it's Joe Farabee from Team USA. And you're listening to the Pipeline Show. He is a midnight mover. He can go on in the side. Talent, development, NCAA hockey offers all that and its players graduate at a 90% rate. Johnny Gaudreau. Backhand scores! Wow, what a goal! Joe Pavelski. And Shane Gossespierre were stars on campus before the NHL stage. Whether you are a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. Champions of the college hockey world! 